Coming up on this episode of The Matt Report, I sit down with Matt Mullenweg, co-creator of WordPress, CEO of Automatic, to talk about all things WordPress. We'll touch on such, such topics like what his day-to-day is like as the CEO of Automatic and how does he uh, manage all of these different hats, make decisions for .org, .com, and everything else that he has to do. His ambitious new goals of 50% adoption of WordPress across the board. And uh, we're going to really find out what the motives are behind the Jetpack plugin. Things are sure to get interesting here. I really hope you enjoy it. And I can't thank Matt enough for taking the time to sit down with us and sort of unroot a lot of these different uh, these different topics. If this is your first time here, stay connected with us. It's mattreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected uh, with everything that's going on here. We are uh, the WordPress podcast for digital businesses. If you are so kind to leave a five-star review in iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Just search for us in iTunes, Matt Report, and leave a five-star review. It helps us get found. And again, I can't thank you enough. Now, before we get on with the show, a word from our sponsors. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Conductor Plugin. You can find out more at ConductorPlugin.com, and it's a builder for WordPress. You can build uh, complex content layouts. You can build simple layouts. You can build landing pages with your Woo- for your WooCommerce store. You can do all sorts of things. Learn more at ConductorPlugin.com, and we're running a 20% off sale in light of our new pricing model. Uh, for new prices, it's more affordable than ever uh, to get in the door of, with Conductor, and now we have a new and improved developer and professional pack. Go ahead and check those out, and you can save that 20% using the coupon code SYMPHONY20. And the reason behind that is because now Conductor comes with a starter theme called Symphony, which allows you to build and design your site faster and then use Conductor to build the layouts and the content views and all that fun stuff. Check it out, ConductorPlugin.com. Use Symphony20 at checkout. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report. Uh, As always, your host, Matt. And I have the other Matt with me today, uh, from within <laughs> the WordPress community. Uh, Matt, it, it, how does it feel to have a, a podcast just covering you, just named after you? It's the fir- this is a first. <laughs> pretty neat, pretty neat. So it's, uh, uh, it's an honor to be here today. Uh, so for folks who may not know you who are, who, that are in my audience, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, what do you do and what do you do for a day job? Sure. Uh, my name is Matt Mullenweg and I'm the co-founder of WordPress. And I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Automatic, uh, which makes services around WordPress. So I've been doing this around 12 years now, and uh, excited to do it for 12 more. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, We were just chatting before the show that um, you just, or Tim Ferriss just released an epic two plus hour uh, conversation with you and yourself. So there's lots of stuff uh, in there that I didn't know that I, I some of the things I, I'd like to get to today. Um, but I was able to listen to that between, you know, my, my morning routine and which is my new morning routine now is shoveling snow because I'm just south of Boston. We get about Ooh. 300 feet outside right now. Um, so I was able to get that all in. What is your morning routine like uh, with all the stuff that you have to do I heard you just do three uh, meetings at Automatic, but what else do you do to get ready for the day, and how do you prep? Oh, um, I like to read in the morning if I can, like a chapter from a book. Um, something I've started doing very recently, actually, is I tried to do a couple of, uh, it's a yoga move called a sun salutation. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like a little stretch. And um, 
Yeah, that plus some good food. I'm I'm, a, I'm really into <laughs> eggs, so <laughs> I like eggs. I, I like actually eggs and chicken. I call it chicken before and after. One of the things that, that you, you two were discussing, which actually was sort of a relief, and for those that follow me in, in the blog, I'm usually no stranger to admitting things on, on the internet, right? And one of those things that I <clears throat> have never really openly admitted on the web was that I'm a pretty avid EDM music uh, listener, <laughs> and uh, you uh, mentioned that you also listen to some EDM and some Kendrick Lamar. Uh, let's talk about that just real quick. I mean, what other variations of music do you get into, and do you tune them in at different points of the day, or is it just sort of all random? That's a good question. Um, like this morning, I was listening to Nick Drake, uh, who's has one of those amazing albums called Pink Moon. So I think it just kind of depends on what what you're in the mood for at the time. I find a lot of times when I wake up, I have a song stuck in my head. And so often I'll listen to that song. Yeah, and, and I do the same thing when I'm either, you know, trying to punch out a 1,500-word a blog post or just editing some uh, some content. I'll, I'll, I'll tend to throw a song on repeat that really motivates me. And usually it's a couple of EDM songs. Maybe it's just because of the beat uh, and it just keeps you, keeps you going and just keeps you in the zone or flow, which is... Usually something that's uh, very beneficial to the, the work I'm putting out. Yeah, I'll do EDM for when I'm uh, reviewing applications. <laughs> that's nice. Well, you probably get a lot of applications, so it's easy to fly through those. Yeah, we're a couple of hundred behind right now. The most interesting or uh, point where I, re- I, I really laughed out loud is when you told the story about um, using a $400,000 investment check as a bookmark to your book, <laughs> one of your books. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Thinking back to where you were then uh, till now, what's the biggest lesson you've learned uh, over these last 12 years? And, and not like on the WordPress software side, but just as an individual, as a, as a person, as somebody who's uh, ahead of, uh, the head of all of these uh, folks that work for you at Automatic and all the other people you touch. What's the biggest lesson so far? That's a tough question. Um, Hmm. Definitely the thing that I think I continue to learn is that uh, balance in all things is important so that, you know, it's very easy, especially when you get excited about something or you love what you do to uh, just go 100% in that direction. But you have to, you know, all things in moderation is probably the, the number one lesson. Would you do something differently, again, not for the WordPress product, but just for yourself as, you know, progressing through your entrepreneurship journey and, and growing this business? Would you do something differently being able to look back? Uh, no, because in the sense that everything that happened, even if it was bad, you know, probably happened for a good reason. But the uh, for WordPress, I definitely think about it, you know, in terms of how we name things or uh, if we could have done, say, updates earlier or WYSIWYG earlier. Mm. What is, is there one that just constantly just loops in your mind that says, man, I really wish we didn't do that? <laughs> Um, you know, it's the parts of WordPress that everyone kind of thinks about. So like how the taxonomy system works or a few different things that feel like uh, it's just a little bit more complex than it needs to be. And that's the truth in, in software in general is that it's there's a lot more pressure to add complexity than simplicity. It's actually some metrics you can look at around this, like how deeply nested are functions and things. Um and of course, some of the simplicity we aspire to in the early days would just be almost unobtainable now. Like one of the things I tried to do early on was have all of the functions 
that called each other in a single file. Um, that's obviously long, long, long gone. Um, some files were even designed so you could include them with other PHP applications and they would work in a standalone fashion. Uh, so things like Texturize or AutoP uh, were designed like that. Uh, but over time, as you fix bugs and sort of increase the sophistication of the software, it naturally becomes a lot more intertwined. But I do think there are things we could do there to make it a bit simpler. Mm. Flatten it a little bit, if you will. Yeah. It must be obviously really difficult to even say, like, gee, I should have done something differently when, when we're looking at numbers of 20% plus adoption for the modern web. So I, I, I would, you know, surmise to say that you've done a good job so far, <laughs> regardless. Well, I've had lots and lots of help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what excites you in the WordPress startup world? And then I also want to talk about the startup world outside of WordPress, but so I'm a huge fan of Jason Calacanis and um, watch your, your epic long interview with him as well, and uh, which I also think was like two hours or at least two parts anyway. <laughs> and I remember you presenting the idea of, hey, WordPress has this sort of marketplace within itself of themes and plugins. And when you were describing that, me as, I mean, I do this every day, so I, I understand like the businesses that are making money off of this and most recently the, the news of like the Avada theme doing 100,000 gross uh, a week uh, off of ThemeForce right now. And and you mentioned like, oh yeah, we yeah, there's companies that sell themes and plugins, which are like seven-figure businesses and sort of Jason sort of, la so not, I don't want to say laughed at it, but it was sort of just like passed over like, oh, cute little themes, right? But these are seven-figure businesses, if not more, <laughs> uh, maybe in the case of, of ThemeForce. So what excites you in the WordPress startup world? Why do you think that it's sort of not as sexy, for lack of a better word, right now for like Silicon Valley? Is it just because numbers are just not big enough? Hmm. Well, some of the numbers, even though they're quite impressive, you know, like you said, sometimes even tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, um, they're not necessarily sexy businesses in the sense that it's not, uh, well, it's not, billions or hundreds of billions of dollars yet, uh, which certainly some of the Silicon Valley darlings are, and that it tends to be more of the SMB space that the real revolution is happening in it, the, the sort of small and medium businesses, just that people all over the world are able to uh, just have a voice when they couldn't before. Uh, but it's also disaggregated, so it's not all on one domain. So it doesn't show up on Comscore in the same way or in some of these different metrics. So it largely goes under the radar. I think of it like the dark matter of the web, though. Like this is the thing that actually comprises the majority of, of activity in the web universe. Uh, but we don't really see it because it's not, it's somewhat disaggregated and dispersed and also spread across many, many, many languages, not just English. Mm. Right, right. The, um, so it, I mean, your advice to, I've done a couple of shows right now uh, on the Matt Report, sort of a shark tanky sort of mm. feel uh, for WordPress startups. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that at least right now in the current age that we're in, 2015 is when this is recorded, that bootstrap businesses and sort of, um, you know, running your own software business is something that's going to become, you know, probably much more ubiquitous as, as we go mm -hmm. on. Um, and I'm trying to shine the light on, and I, and totally agree with you. I'm sorry, going off track here, but I totally agree with you that WordPress 
is a great foundation to sort of spin up applications without having all the overhead of starting from scratch. And again, to reference your conversation with Tim, he mentioned like, well, what's the difference between you and Ruby on Rails? Um, but I, so the point is, is I, I feel that any business that's trying to bootstrap their software startup can use WordPress for the most part as their foundation. So any advice to a new WordPress startup business out there who's thinking of their next new product, you know, not just another theme, but something else, like any kind of advice that you would give them to why they should use WordPress or how they can sort of shine a little bit more uh, in this crowded space? Sure. The one pattern I see most right now that I think is not sustainable is, and it's because it's the easiest thing to do, is that it's businesses that are built on, say, a scarcity. So the thing not being widely available. When you think about some of the coolest successes so far in WordPress, the Gravity Forms, some of the theme businesses, they're inherently predicated on the fact that you have to pay to access it. Um, I've always been a fan of businesses that grow with ubiquity, that become more powerful the more ubiquitous they are, more valuable. Uh, WordPress itself is one of these. Uh, Akismet is one of these. There's a few others that I think you can, Jetpack is certainly one of those. Um, so if you can think about it, turning that on its head, I think that's that what will create the sort of multi-generational businesses in the WordPress ecosystem versus even with themes. I mean, we've seen that themes are very uh, cyclical. The people who used to make the majority of the money from themes, like Woo themes, are now finding it's, you know, uh, ever-decreasing percentage. You hear this across almost all the theme shops. Um, the What's happening on Envato is great for Envato. I think it's very ruthlessly competitive for individual theme authors. Right. Right. Is there any innovation left in, in themes that you that, that you see? Oh, of course. And in fact, the point when someone says there's no innovation left is when you should try the hardest. Right. <laughs> uh, there's always something different to do. Um, one thing, though, that, again, thinking sort of short versus long term, is some of what the most popular themes do is try to address deficiencies in WordPress. So if that same effort was put towards, say, improving core, who knows how much bigger WordPress would be. Mm. So let's un unpack that for a second. Would you want folks to, or companies to, continue to build these features, but then also make uh, well, of course, it would be available because it is, you know, if they're doing it right, it's all GPL anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but is it just spending more time uh, within the community giving back uh, on either new versions or, or, you know, diving into some of the, um, you know, the uh, contributions that are out there? You know, how do you see them sort of helping uh, the core with their feature set? Well, I mean, first I'll say that I don't blame them for not doing it. It is... Uh... It can be difficult to contribute to core, sure. to be totally honest. Mm. And so, and like you said, yes, their code's all GPL, but like it's so much more than the code to have a successful core contribution. It's really embedding yourself in the community. And to be completely honest, that's more difficult than it should be right now. Um, there's lots of great tickets, lots of great contributors that just aren't getting noticed. And so you do have to try a little extra hard. You got to intend the, the Slack meetings. You got to like... Maybe go to a WordCamp and really pitch it. But um, hopefully we can also make that easier as well, lower some of the friction for contributions. Mm. 
friction that even myself, uh, I myself experienced. <laughs> One of the things that came up on an, I forget which word camp it was or which state of the word it was, but it was when you said that you saw WordPress as the internet's operating system or the internet's OS. Mm-hmm. Um, and now couple that with the desire to have a 50% adoption rate. Can we talk about that? Because when, when I heard you say, I want word or, you know, paraphrasing, but I want WordPress to be considered the internet's OS. Like I was jumping out of my seat up and down, like, yes, this is an amazing, <laughs> this is a, this is a goal. Uh, not that I haven't agreed before, but this is a goal I can certainly get behind the 50% adoption rate to me means that we have to get more generalized for bigger, for larger adoption, right? And we're going to talk about Jetpack in a little bit, but I feel like those two go from like hyper-focused internet OS to now 50% adoption rate means that there'll be a Super Bowl commercial. Um, can we kind of talk about those two? Is, is the track, are we still on that same kind of track? Is it same kind of vision with both of those? Yeah, I've always thought of them as identical, actually. I've never seen them as separate things. Mm-hmm. The 50% adoption rate would mean that my grandmother could use OS, uh, uh, WordPress, uh, and the OS would be more developers would want to use this to develop. So don't they sort of collide with that, right? So like if Jetpack is the thing that helps us compete with a generic platform like a Wix, aren't we saying that we're spending more time getting the general user to, to use it to publish content versus a developer to use it as a application platform? No, not at all. And I think you just identified one of the biggest mistakes people make when thinking about this is one thinking that you need to become more generalized or more generic to get more users. And in fact, there's many examples of the, of the opposite. Um, think how specialized an Instagram is or a WhatsApp hmm. to give two examples. Um, not generic at all. Very opinionated software. And two, that there's a difference between focusing on developers and users. I think that the thing that your grandma uses WordPress on, I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure your grandma's awesome, <laughs> what you said. You said that, you she know, does a lot of Sudoku uh, and crossword puzzles. <laughs> I mean, that might not be developed by Core. It might be developed by a developer on top of Core. Gotcha. And so, you know, we have sort of this core content management kernel, if you will, mm. almost like the Linux kernel which lots of different things can be built on top of. And that's not at all, um, not at all incompatible. And in fact, I think they're highly complementary because ultimately what drives developer adoption more than anything else is users. Right. And so, I mean, you can't have one without the other. And one of the magical things of WordPress over the past 12 years is we've been able to attract both. But while... Critics have said we're doing a terrible job at both of them. They say, oh, WordPress is terrible for developers. You know, look at the spaghetti PHP code. It uses the MySQL database, which is a joke compared to Postgres and Oracle and MSQL and all these other things. And then on the user side, they're like, wow, this is actually really hard to use. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, uh, they're right on both. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are terrible things from a developer point of view in WordPress, and the software is too hard to use. That brings to the other part of your mistake is thinking that a Wix or a Squarespace is a generic platform. They're actually 
I mean, if you go through the sign-up flow of a Wix, it's, uh, it's very, very, very good. When you think about something, and it's things that we both do. So when you're setting a site, you're often choosing a theme, right? And you're customizing that theme. In fact, we find that uh, we did a test the other day on WordPress.com. And we had this big old blue button that was like, make your first post. And then we had a small link on the left that was like, customize your site. And the vast majority of people clicked to customize your site, even though it was practically hidden. And it makes perfect sense when you think about it. When you're starting a site, I mean, it's like you're creating a room, right? And before you invite people into that room, you want some furniture and you want to decorate it. And you want it to represent your persona, what you want to sort of uh, portray to the world about yourself online. They do a great job of that. Yeah, absolutely. The onboarding of users to WordPress.com versus the onboarding of WordPress.org. Do you see Jetpack as the vehicle that helps folks onboard better, uh, with air quotes, onboard better to WordPress.org? Because (laughs) you cannot control, uh, because it is self-hosted, somebody can download it and install it anywhere else. and you can control the dot-com experience much better. Do you see Jetpack as that vehicle to help with the onboarding? Well, first, we should probably say what happens when most people download WordPress. They unzip a a collection of PHP files into their desktop, and they (laughs) double-click, and they don't have no (laughs) idea what to do. If they're lucky, they click the readme.html. But, I mean, just think about the gap between we have this giant download button on on WordPress.org, and what you actually have to do if you click that download button, FTP, databases, web servers, locally, remotely, like, I mean, it gets mm. pretty hairy pretty quickly. Um, actually, at this point, is it worth giving your audience some of the context sure. for why yeah, I'm here? Absolutely. And your thoughts on Jetpack and your yeah, comments that absolutely. brought us together today? So one of the things that, that came up was that the success of naked WordPress wouldn't have been... Uh, or has, wouldn't have been as successful uh, without uh, Jetpack there to sort of help uh, a, an end user uh, feel more comfortable using WordPress, or at least that's how I took it. Um, to me, and again, paraphrasing myself, coming out and saying, well, I, I think that is a slap in the, in the face to folks who have been building themes and, and plugins for years now, really helping with that adoption uh, of WordPress, uh, which I guess goes to what you were saying before about, hey, maybe if these folks sort of gave back to core, we wouldn't have these issues. I made that comment on uh, the WP Tavern site, and uh, then you said, hey, let's let's link up and, and talk about my perception of Jetpack or our perception of de- Jetpack and, and what this really means. Of course, as a business owner, I always look look at Jetpack as the 30,000 pound gorilla in the room because of all of the features it has in there, right? So if a user gets Jetpack installed and it is that first and foremost plugin installed to WordPress, oh, by the way, if I was selling a contact form plugin, a user might not see Gravity Forms because there's contact forms built in, right? Um, That kind of scenario would would sort of play out. And, And again, very generalized, but if Jetpack is the thing to solve these issues and help people get galleries and contact forms and whatever else might go into it, 
there won't be a choice for the user to say, hmm, I'd rather have gravity forms than this form. And that's sort of the, the, the yeah. mindset behind, uh, behind that. Well, there's a couple of things in there, so we should probably sure. unpack a little bit. Um, first, I'll say that the gravity forms business has blossomed since Jetpack added contact forms in its uh, core package. I mean, undeniably. Um, so to loop back to the very beginning is the point I was trying to contrast was naked WordPress versus WordPress, meaning just core, like just what you download, um, then WordPress with its, its add-ons, so plugins. And you said it yourself that there's basically no one in the world who's deploying WordPress without any plugins. Just not happening. Not even to mention themes, but let's even just assume themes are their own thing. But plugins are part of the beauty. Um, in terms of doing the most to move the needle for the adoption of WordPress overall, I think it is undeniably true uh, that both WordPress.com as a gateway to WordPress and then Jetpack um, are doing the most to grow the market share of WordPress overall. If we think of WordPress the platform, not just WordPress uh, this thing that you download from WordPress.org and hopefully know what to do with the PHP files. Um, the data to support that are, you know, the 50, 60,000 sites being started every day on WordPress.com. And what we know about, it's a gateway drug for many people. You know, it's free to start. It introduces people to WordPress. It teaches them WordPress. Um, but there's obviously many things that WordPress.com does not offer as a SaaS solution. And so it drives thousands and thousands and thousands of people every day uh, to move to WordPress.org and to figure out a web host or to figure out um, hosting themselves or hiring someone to develop something more or wanting to do e-commerce or they're going to WooCommerce or something like that, uh, WP Commerce. So it does grow the market a lot. And you know it's been true if you were asking me to predict 10 years ago, um, I probably would have guessed, I would have guessed that either WordPress.com or WordPress.org would have won by now, like one way or the other would have sort of become the dominant thing. But it turns out that they're very even and they're highly complementary. It's almost like a flywheel of sort of broad consumer adoption, and this sort of easy to use all in one package of WordPress and this more powerful uh, power tool software that's almost like a, an SLR, right? Like it's, it's, uh, it's like the Instagram and the point and shoot and the SLR and the availability of one feeds the availability or demand for the other. In terms of, we talked about it a little bit already, but things we put into core or things we put in the Jetpack, uh, they pro maybe there's a case of it at some point in our history, but I can't think of anything in recent years where it's harmed a commercial business. Because even if there's a big worry about it, just like there was a worry when themes went 100% GPL, or just like there was a worry for gravity forms when we added, you know, we it's called grunting contact forms in the Jetpack. It turns out what this does is it actually, yes, it serves the needs of a lot of people, um, but it grows their market share, and it whets people's appetites. 
So people who might not have even thought about using a contact form before, or maybe they were sending people to SurveyMonkey or Google Forms or one of these other things, start all of a sudden figured out they could embed something in their site. And you know, we're always going to build tools, not generic, but a little bit more uh, the 80-20, right? The 20% of functionality that serves 80% of people. And there's a huge market in that last the 80% of functionality that serves 20% of people. And that's what I would say are gravity forms, uh, many of these other uh, solutions out there. Sure. I found their niche in. And numbers don't lie. Check the scoreboard, Shazy says. To the businesses like myself who are worried about distribution or at least sort of being found. And, and, and I'm, I guess I should take a step back and say that I realize that no one has you have not come down from the heavens and donned me <laughs> the ability to even uh, profit off of themes and, and plugins that, that we offer or services for that matter. Um, there is, I, ha- I, I realize that I do not have the right, I guess, to uh, say that we should be you know, profiting off of this stuff or how can you ensure that we continue to profit off of it? I totally understand that. I, I don't think that um, mm-hmm. playing in that, sandbox is something that I'm, uh, or any of us are really allowed to, right? In any, in any case, any, run in any business, there's, there's no uh, given. But I, well, it's just hard doing right. the business in general, whether sure. you're in WordPress or not. So right. it is good to keep in mind. <laughs> um, that said, when we, we collectively as folks who say, hmm, how can we sort of uh, get distribution or, or at least stay at the forefront, I'd imagine that as time progresses, Jetpack just becomes more of a an easier thing. Just like you said about the button versus the little link, I assume that as time progresses, Jetpack will get even easier to install, be it, you know, the next step after somebody activates uh, WordPress or during the five minute install, there might be a thing that says activate Jetpack now. Not sure what, yeah, not sure what that will be. Um, One of the things that you again mentioned to Tim sort of real briefly was you, you kind of went over, well, if I turned uh, .org, or maybe even .com for that matter, into a marketplace like an iTunes app store, what would that really do? Um, what, you know, what is the real purpose mm-hmm. behind that? And would we see the gains that we expect it to see? Um, I, when I heard that, my sort of argument was, well, there are a lot of free downloads in the app store and the freemium model is fairly dominant, but I mean, I'm sure you obviously you see this in a totally different at a totally different level than I do. So, folks who are in .org repo are thinking, how do I get found? How do I get more distribution? You know, is that app store model the answer to that? Even though I already kind of know the answer to that, but <laughs> your your thoughts on the iTunes app store? Mm-hmm. But combine that into you know .org repo or .com. Yeah, I mean. I've obviously talked about this a lot before, and I think it sounds like everyone who's listening here will listen to Tim's <laughs> podcast. I know, as well. I'm just sending. So check out fourhourworkweek.com. Four yeah, yeah. um, think of it this way um, what we do with WordPress and the success of WordPress itself is almost diametrically the opposite of everything in the App Store. Like, literally everything. Um, when you have these sort of marketplaces, it doesn't encourage collaboration. There's Soundhound and Shazam. You know, there's 
uh, 20 different Twitter clients and there's, you know, all these different things, each doing their own thing. And uh, this competition is great for consumers because it, it's sort of, it's a Darwinian marketplace of ideas and execution, uh, which at the end of it comes out, you know, things we like often. Uh, but what open source does is it turns that on its head. It says, if instead of having 20 teams of five people all trying to do the same thing, what if we had one team of 100 people working together to do the same thing? And what is the output of that? And yes, this sounds like a hippy-dippy, you know, we all sing kumbaya and blah, blah, blah. But in actuality, it works. I mean, this is the Wikipedia. This is WordPress. This is, you know, the success of any of these broad-based, community-supported literally thousands of contributors' projects. How did we compete? I mean, WordPress beat a company that when, you know, Automatic was five people, it was 300, six apart, that had tens of millions of dollars in funding, that had, you know, professional paid uh, programmers versus, you know, kids in Houston and <laughs> and other, you know, uh, non-professional volunteer spare time contributors. So how does that, how does that even win? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's because that collaboration has so much power. Because people are doing it because they're for love rather than just for a commercial self-interest. And even when they are doing it for just commercial self-interest, they're doing it in a way that contributes to a greater whole. So you get kind of the opposite of a tragedy of the commons. You get like a cornucopia of the commons where everyone working on their own thing contributes to this bigger thing and it becomes better and better. And in many ways, you can look at the broader WordPress ecosystem as doing that. Like even a theme, I'm going to say thesis because, you know, my animosity with that project is long documented. Um, but it's true that, you know, some people love that theme and they, you know, part of the affection they feel for WordPress as a whole is generated by their experience with that theme or any paid plugin or anything like that. But while that is true in absolute terms, it's probably smaller in relative terms simply because, you know, like uh, what was the thing that just article the other day? WP Rocket, right? Uh, made 35 grand in one month. Oh my goodness. Like, that's an unimaginable amount of money for pretty much everyone in America, where the average salary is, what, I think 60K, 65K per year. Actually, it's less than that. It's like 48K per year. So you're getting almost a year's salary one month from something that started not that long ago. Um, they also publish a number of sites that use it. It's about 15,000. That's a really small number. <laughs> um, you know, that's less than 1% of 1% of 1% of all the WordPresses out there. So... It shows that you can find a niche and create a really profitable business. But if that thing is so compelling that people are willing to open up their wallet for to, to get access to it, um, it would probably also be compelling for the you know 6.9 billion people that don't have a website yet and that one day are going to wake up, they're going to open Wix.com, they're going to open Squarespace.com, and they're going to open WordPress. They're going to compare them and say, what does each get me? How much bang for my buck do I get on each of these? So for the price of 
say, a CDN, like a Mac CDN or something, you can get uh, 24-7 support. You can get a full website and a creator and e-commerce integration. And, by the way, they bundle a CDN just because it's easy to do. Like You really have to think about just cost between these things and overhead. If, to start with WordPress, let's say we had this amazing app marketplace, but when you, and this kind of happened in Joomla, so we have an example of this in the real world, someone who chose a different path, and I think it was ultimately detrimental to the platform. You know, maybe WordPress is free, or you get it, you know, your $5 a month GoDaddy account or whatever, but then every single thing you want to do is another 5 or 10 bucks or 20 bucks. By the end of it, you've spent hundreds or thousands of dollars just trying to put together the basic baseline functionality that you want. This is the danger. Now, if we made a marketplace, would it happen tomorrow? No. Would it happen in three years? Maybe. Would it happen in five or ten years? Definitely. Right? Because it's just a natural incentive of the market. If I'm going to pay you to create a product, right, the marketplace, the ecosystem pays you, your incentive is to build that for yourself and to not, you know, work with the other guy because you're competing with the other guy. The You mentioned about the sort of archaic way and and listening to you talk about all this stuff, you mentioned how, you know, somebody goes to .org and they download WordPress and, you know, voila, they've got a zip file on their desktop that they don't know what to do with. One would assume in the world of the iOS app store and when you somebody wants something, they install it and there it is and it's functional right on their phone or their tablet. And hearing you talk about the marketplace and looking at folks like WooCommerce or WooThemes, you know, now going into WooCommerce, you bring up an interesting point. By the end of the day, you've spent probably close to a thousand dollars if you bought, you know, every WooCommerce add-on, you know, from like reporting to mm. shipping. You'd probably spend a good thousand dollars on those extra plugins. And then, oh by the way, you still have to go and get hosting and if you're not if you're new to this you're, you're probably going to buy a theme as well yeah an ssl, an SSL, oh, yeah. An SSL. god that's you know, an... like it starts yeah and how much of a pain is that dns domains email like all of this is way too hard and i think there's so much room for innovation <laughs> mm. so so i mean what is that what is that in what is that one click innovation even though i hate to use that term what is that one click innovation um that can be brought to .org, or are you thinking more, is your mission more, I'm thinking about this for .com, and whatever spills over to .org will just be, you know, um, sort of the residual, that, which will benefit the community either way, um, but the mission is more about let's, let's simplify the .com experience. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, and in reality, I work on all these things simultaneously. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the advantage of having bless you. 300 people working for Automatic now and also working with an incredible uh, sort of, you know, group of volunteers and people passionate about it on the .org side. Oh, and including also, you know, eight people that Automatic pays just to contribute to Core and do nothing else. So, like, there's, there's definitely a lot of folks focused on all sides of this. Um, I would say that, you know, what you talked about for what's in the platform and free versus what is charged for is probably one of the hardest things to figure out in any business, you know. And there's often companies 
Um, Splunk is probably a good example, an enterprise company that went public a few years ago, um, where often their innovation is changing where they draw that line. You know, so they would give you, I think it was like free up to like 100 megabytes of logs a day or something. But then beyond that, you'd have to pay. Uh, but the software itself, you could download, install, et cetera. Like figuring out where to draw that line is really, 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 really tricky. And in addition for thinking where to draw that line, for obviously automatics commercial products like WordPress.com. Um, an example there, uh, you know, when you use Facebook, you don't think about how much storage space you're using, right? But on all these hosting companies and on WordPress.com, you know, we give you three gigs for free, and then like. 20 gigs for 100 bucks and then maybe unlimited for 300 bucks and so you know you have to make sure that the thing that you're charging for is not something that's going to drive someone to an alternative service and also that it's actually valuable and also that it's priced the right way and that the the value on the other end is the right way i mean it's very it's a very tricky dance and i think one that you're always adjusting so in addition to that i also think about it for the ecosystem as a whole because the decisions we make in our philosophies and deciding what matters to us and deciding where we're going to focus on. Um, sort of draw that line for this broader ecosystem of hundreds of thousands of people independently, you know, independent actors working on the same thing. So I do think a lot about that. That's why, you know, the most common question I ask myself is what does this look like in 10 years if it fails? And what does it look like in 10 years if it's really successful? Um, to your question, where were we there? Oh, oh, the you know deciding what to work on. You got to pick the low-hanging fruit first. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we're not working this on, on WordPress.org. It's that yes, the downloading the PHP files thing is tricky, but we still have you know, thousands or tens of thousands of people a day who are making it past that. But they're getting stuck on widgets, you know, or they're getting stuck on finding a theme, or they're getting stuck someplace else. So let's pick the low-hanging fruit first. And maybe I could totally imagine us a few years down the line, like maybe the default download is actually something that runs on Windows or Mac. And, you know, it's kind of like an app process where you can create a blog really easily or you can sign up with a partner or something like that. And that's kind of what you have today with the mobile apps, if you think about it. So this is totally like within the realm of possibilities. It's just... That's going to be pretty tricky. <laughs> like I would say, that's not, <laughs> yeah. that's not our core competency. That's not something we even know how to do yet. So let's fix some of these you know, really obvious problems. Um, it's small things and simple things. You know, one thing I'm excited about in the next release 4.2 is, for example, we're going to show on the edit comment page, you'll be able to see uh, the user agent. <laughs> it's something literally since the first day of WordPress, like we've we've always stored in the database. We've just literally never shown it. And it's interesting. Um, to other things like emoji, right? We have emoji seems trivial or silly, but the fact of the matter is, is that the majority of computing devices sold today, including mobile phones and tablets, um, people use emoji a huge amount, right? And it's natively built in as an input type. Um, just like if you had another keyboard next to your main keyboard that had all these you know, cute icons on it. So things that help people express themselves online are very important to support. And to be honest, it's not that hard to do that feature either. So it's a low-hanging fruit. Um, so we have to make sure that we're getting those while at the same time climbing the tree 
to get the hard ones. One of the things to questions I want to ask to to wrap up, or maybe it's even more of just a statement, but just generalizing sort of the idea um, behind the concerns that I have. And I know others, and you know it <clears throat> too, because um, people sort of came out of the woodwork on that comp, on that post. You know, on one of sides. the things. <laughs> yeah, on both sides, you're right. One of the things that sometimes I I feel like, you know, you're you're the football player and 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 you know Matt Mullenweg's the coach and we've been doing this, you know, play after play. We're we're successful. We're successful, and then it goes to scoring the touchdown, and then you pull me out of the game, <laughs> right? And I'm like, and I'm like, oh come on, coach. Like I was just there. I was just doing it. And that concept comes from thinking of. You know, define the 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 naked jetpack, uh, the success of Word, naked WordPress with jetpack, but also sort of the the five for five initiative. And as a small business owner, and somebody who isn't you know the web devs or the ten ups of the world, the the request and sort of the emotions that came into this post about the success of WordPress sort of all compiled into this. It's like, well, man, how much more can we do? as small consultancies, mm -hmm. freelancers, how much more can we do to raise the awareness of WordPress and really root for the team? And now we're getting this other, hey, we should do this. And I know you're not forcing anybody, yeah. obviously, to the 5% thing. But it's just those things that I know that I've, I've felt as somebody who still is trying to build the business um, while looking at the success of others. You know, your thoughts on that, if there are any, um, of that crazy emotional roller coaster ride, but it's just like, <laughs> is, I mean, cause I'm, let me just, again, I'm going preface this one more time. Like I'll go into a lot of marketing meetups and everybody will be, you know, Squarespace, Squarespace, Squarespace. And I will come in and they'll go, Oh God, here comes the WordPress guy. <laughs> right. And because they know, like, cause everything you said about the 80, 20 is what I'll bring into square into the Squarespace debate and say, yeah, everything's great. You set it up in 10 minutes, but what about SEO? But what about e-commerce? But what about content delivery? And all these other custom things you might want to do to make your business a success. And they're sick of hearing me say that, <laughs> quite frankly. But for those of us that are looking up and hearing and, and reading your statements, you know, is just supporting WordPress by continuously building projects with it enough for right now for those who can't afford to really give back or contribute or do the 5% thing? Um. Wow, you you put a lot in each of these questions. Sorry, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> I know we're it's just um, pressed for time. It's just you know, there's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, threads to mine there. Um, one, I would say that it's interesting that like at this marketing meetup, you've had this experience, and it speaks to some of the things that we've really focused on in the past. Might not be the most compelling things for people in the future. I've seen it myself. I mean, SEO is an amazing example. Uh, you know, the fact that Matt Cutts used WordPress, uses WordPress. Um, you could almost end any argument with the SEO. <laughs> and people just, uh, some real and some perhaps uh, mythology, uh, perceived WordPress to have this amazing SEO capabilities. All the best sort of SEO-focused people all use it, etc. Um, it turns out that there's a new generation of developers that don't care about SEO as much. The S in SEO for them is social. It's about exposure on Twitter and Facebook and advertising and marketing and Yelp and, you know, these other places that we don't even think about 
but are hugely important to some of these businesses or people coming online. Yelp, I would say, is one of the ones that we have the biggest blind spot for. Um, so that's part of it. In terms of what, what you can do is, I would say, you know, first and foremost, I mean, support yourself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I mean, eat first, eat I guess. First. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I want all people in the WordPress ecosystem to be prosperous because it's from that prosperity that then they can start to go above and beyond, right? And we can build something together that mm. is greater than the sum of our parts or greater than even our individual prosperity is by pulling our resources and working together. We can create something beautiful because we've done it in the past and I'm sure that we'll do it in the future. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're just kind of on the edge of it, you know, you're still like super hustling just to kind of meet the ends meet. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> there is an <laughs> argument, and some people espouse this that you know sometimes the things you do when you're contributing actually increase your business quite a bit. Um, and there's you know dozens of testimonies around that. I think that works for some people. It doesn't work for every single person, right? So um, you know, get get things in order first. Beyond that, I think that you know, like you said, you. I don't think you said it, but you kind of intimated it, that you almost feel guilty that you're not doing more. Right. Um, if it's on your mind a lot, there's probably something to it. <laughs> right? Like, if if you're part of the WordPress ecosystem, if you have a podcast about it, if you have multiple businesses around it, you probably start to think for a second, like, why is this thing what it is versus Drupal or Joomla? And then when you think about that, you start to get into the philosophies and the different decisions we've made and why it works. And if you take that to the logical conclusion, you say, well, if I want this to be big in the future, it's something we all pitch in on. Hmm. The last questions, and then you're free to go. (laughs) Um, One of the other um, things that has certainly been on my mind, I've been doing this podcast for about two and a half years, so this is my incoming greedy question. One of the things that's been coming up is looking, you know, too inward into the community uh, and sort of idolizing uh, either, you know, other, you know, pro developers or just, you know, profitable companies, that kind of thing. Where do you look to or how should we define bringing in sort of new voices? And and I've started this on the podcast by talking to more people who use Shopify um, and why and, you know, why they pick Shopify over WordPress, that kind of thing. But, I mean, from your point of view, you know, what's the best way to intake a new angle, right, or, or to WordPress? How do we bring in new, fresh voices, or who do you look to to say, you know what, maybe maybe your community should shift into this direction? Hmm. You know, Steve Blank of uh, the Four Steps to the Epiphany and other things, he's a great startup writer, talks about getting out of the building. Hmm. And just, you know, talking to people, I think, could be hugely eye-opening. Right, people who aren't already converts. Um, sure. You know, one thing I try to do with WordCamp San Francisco every year, and I guess in the future we'll try to do with WordCamp US, is bring in folks from outside the community. You know, Tim Ferriss spoke at WordCamp six years ago. <laughs> you know, um, and sometimes these speakers bomb. Like to be totally honest, like uh, <laughs> Tim's not one of them, but I definitely brought in people who were influential early on and the free software movement or an internet history or things like that, that honestly did not gel with the community. Um, 
But that's part of the, I mean, if it didn't fail, I don't think we were trying it hard enough. It's like one of those things where I'm going to try to bring in folks who might not work. Um, but when it does work, something really magical happens, like having Jeff Fien at WordCamp San Francisco this year. Um, you know, one of the greatest web design minds in the world was literally there speaking to a room full of a couple hundred WordPress people and talking to them afterwards and drinking with them afterwards. And that sort of melting is always great. Um, so I don't think that you have to go far. And I also don't think that you necessarily have to go outside. Like I get a lot of inspiration from the writing and podcasting and blogging and, you know, plugging creation that happens inside our community as well. Sometimes it's just exposing some things. Um, the loudest people in a discussion are not always the most correct. And, uh, this is why I would encourage everyone to, Give Jetpack another try. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was thinking about I was thinking of closing it as I I think Scared this is why everyone time. should listen to the Matt report because we're bringing on so many uh, new and uh, wonderful voices. <laughs> Matt, no, that's Matt that's Mullenway. very important, and thank you for that. And uh, I feel bad I had to invite myself onto your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I was just coming up to this grand reopening and and I had my golden ticket ready to mail out to you. But it just so happened. <laughs> it just so happened. Uh, Matt Mullenweg, thanks for taking the time. Uh, if folks don't know where to find you, where can they find you on the web to say thanks? Sure. Uh, my 12-year-old WordPress blog is ma.tt. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at photomat, P-H-O-T-O-M-A-T-T. And I have a Facebook page that I think's uh, slash matt.mullenweg. That's awesome. And your your post about what you travel with was also refreshing to kind of review. I always like those sort of unboxing of, of <laughs> backpacks, if you will. <laughs> I'm actually on a 42-day blogging streak. So I've blogged every single day, actually since the beginning of the year. So it's been kind nice. of fun to just uh, just write a little more and get out there. Yeah. What do you use to, for your blog? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's mattreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. It's the best way to stay connected. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you.